All right, let's talk food. Welcome to Travel Mouth. This is your host, Jeff Ehrman. I'm joined today by my food friend, Ryan. Ryan, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good here. Can't thank complain. you so much for, yeah, thanks so much for giving up part of your day and uh, hanging out with me. I'm really glad to have you on. Uh, Ryan's been a friend of mine for, God, Ryan, uh, 12 years? I don't know. Long time? <laughs> 11, 12 years, somewhere in there. Something like that. Yeah. Sounds about and, right. Uh, and, you know, just like any of this stuff, it's like we maybe haven't taken the time to have some of these food conversations. So this is exciting for me to to even get to know you better, uh, even though I've known you for over a decade. Yeah, I think most of our conversations have been around beer and not yeah. actually around food. I would agree. I would agree. I, I think we both like to talk beer uh, quite a bit and beverages in general, uh, especially the world of brewing and, and all that fun stuff. But uh I know you cook and I know you bake and I know you can make a mean cup of coffee. So I know you, uh, you, you dabble in the culinary arts as well. Yeah. A little more, a little uh, more than dabble, I guess. It's, it's a, it's a hobby turned, uh, hopefully future endeavor, but we'll get into that. You know? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited about what's on the horizon for you there. Um, the first thing I want to start off with, and and this is kind of how we like to kick off the show is talking about your, uh, surprising food combination or your hot take, um, and for that, you'd mentioned, uh, putting mayo on a meatball sub and that sounds great to me. I'm a fan of mayo. I, I think I can see how that would work. Now, when, when did you discover that that was something that you really liked? Uh, in college, uh, I went to Subway nice. a bunch, um, you know, before they, before they got classified as cake, uh, in Ireland, right? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I always loved their marinara sauce with, uh, just a little bit more creaminess and it's like a. It's like a poor man's Alfredo uh, to have them put their mayonnaise on it. And, it, you know, when it's wrapped up and then you you carry it somewhere, it sort of mixes with that marinara and becomes what, you know, that poor man's Alfredo. Uh, and it, like it, it just adds that sort of unctuousness to this sort of already really savory sandwich. And I always got weird looks from the Subway sandwich artists as I... <laughs> Would ask for oh yeah put mayonnaise on that and they're like what you want mayonnaise on your your meatball sub and so it it, it you know I get less of weird looks now because I think more people do weird things in some way but I yeah. originally I I kept getting weird weird sort of side eye glances from the the sandwich artists and so that's my that's my sort of odd uh, food pairing I don't think it's that odd I mean I certainly. I guess some people just are completely horrified by mayonnaise. I've, I've worked right. in places where it's like, oh, I don't even want to get near it or touch it or smell it or see it. It's like not even even, you know, being close to it messes with people for some weird reason. I don't know why that ingredient is so polarizing, um, but I certainly like mayonnaise quite a bit. So the idea of bringing it into that situation sounds I could see exactly how that would work. You know, like you said, mixing with the uh, tomato. Now you have some sort of like. Yeah, tomato mayonnaise thing. That sounds great. I'm I'm into it, that. It, I don't know. It just sort of like pulls there that that sandwich all together. And and to to be perfectly honest, I haven't had that at uh, Subway in probably six or seven years. Yeah. Uh, but it was just always that thing where I was like, oh, yep, you know, yeah, I'll get mayonnaise on it. And then I think I I I changed it up and I added their like chipotle stuff onto it and all the other like weird sauces but so you know because they already put the marinara sauce on it there's never that thought to oh i should put additional sauce onto this sandwich yeah and that that sort of breaking that that sort of barrier of oh these all these are open like let's add other things to accentuate the flavors here so yeah and and change the ratio too like sometimes you know when the bread absorbs a bunch of the tomato sauce or whatever then it's not going to be that saucy of a sandwich and right. if you want it to be a nice big saucy meatball sandwich then add extra sauce yep yeah and that so that, that's sort of the weird thing that uh that i enjoy um another one that that i didn't put in the uh the survey yeah. that i love is yeah. strawberries and sour cream okay i could see that it's a it's like a you get really nice sweet strawberries and you yeah. just you plop a dollop of sour cream on top of like cut up strawberries and yeah. it's I, I, my my uh my mother used to have it with like brown sugar then sprinkled on top but i like it without the extra sweetness because it's this like tangy sourness with this tart sweetness and that sounds really good 
it's it's two things that you look at in like the you know you open your fridge and you see sour cream and you see strawberries and you don't think oh let's put these together but like sour cream with with some of the with berries and fruit is just a really interesting and that's flavor. yeah that's where i would uh, the memory i have is my stepmom karen would eat her pancakes with jam and sour cream so she would yeah, i think strawberry jam was one of the ones she got you know berry a berry of some kind but strawberry was one of the ones she used for sure and it was yeah jam and sour cream on her pancakes which i thought was weird she was norwegian i kind of attribute it to that oh they they put sour cream on everything or something i don't know but man i tried it and i was like yeah that's really good they do complement yeah. each other it's like uh you know greater than the sum of its parts kind of a thing we like to do it on like on like warm summer evenings as sort of dessert so instead of an ice nice. cream or something that's like this really sugar laden thing you just do yeah. fresh cut strawberries with some sour cream and you know, for the for the people that want it a little sweeter, you can sprinkle a little brown sugar on top. But the the base like meal is just delicious by itself. And you know, something I've noticed is I I've been eating less and less sugar over the last year, even. And I've noticed that once you do that, and it's just not in your life as much. When you have something like you're talking about, that's plenty sweet. Like that is a lot of sugar, like you kind of bring your tolerance level down to where you even become more sensitive to small amounts of sugar. And so strawberries and, and, you know, sour cream is, that sounds like a great dessert to me. And I bet that's plenty sweet for me. I wouldn't need, you know, much more sugar than that. I don't think in my desserts. It's surprising how refreshing it is too. Like, especially like after a meal, like we would do it, uh, you'd have like tacos or something. And then you have like just this, you know, strawberry, basically you just have a, a, uh, you know, a cup of sour cream and a bowl of strawberries that are cut up on the table and everyone can serve their own sort of uh, proportions that they want. Yeah. And it's just, it's really tasty and yummy and super good. I'm, I'm literally souring cream right now. I'm making creme fraiche on the counter oh, um, yeah. that I'm letting go for probably another, I don't know, a few hours before I whip. I'm going to do like a whipped creme fraiche. So It'll I just put yummy. active yogurt in heavy cream and it's been out for, I don't know, 15 hours or something with a towel over it. And yeah, now I'm going to now I'm going to want strawberries. So I got to go get strawberries so I can do creme fraiche uh, with creme fraiche on strawberries. That sounds even better because that adds like that (laughs) little bit of savoriness as well into it. That's and Mm. I was going to do like a half and half. Like I was going to split half of it and go savory with it. And then the other half kind of sweeten it up uh, to use because I have this. um, We went to this Filipino uh, market yesterday and they actually had balut there, believe it or not. Um, Mm. Yeah. And. they had this caramel coconut cake thing that I bought. So I wanted to uh, slice that up and put some creme fraiche on it. So I'm going to be, yeah, be doing that. But now I need strawberries, obviously. And I yeah. might even eat, eat all that together. That sounds kind of nice. Because that that's what I like about some of the Asian desserts is that, again, they're not as sweet. Um, some kind of depends on what country. But a lot of the Korean stuff that I've had, at least, uh, is it's less sweet and more balanced. Yeah, level of sweetness. And I really appreciate that. So can you tell me about this place in Panama? Because I, I I absolutely love the idea of estate dining. Um, It's, it's that whole thing of like the products are from here. It was made here. Now you're enjoying it here. It's so concentrated in its concept. I really, really like that. And it must be a super powerful experience to do that in Panama. Can you tell me about this place? Hacienda Mama Cio. I I think that's correct. Yeah. Mama Cita. Uh, you know, to to be for, perfectly honest, to your visitors or your listeners, visitors, uh, I've never been there, but we were watching a a new show on National Geographic, which is included on I think Disney Plus uh, yeah. streaming service. And this the this woman who's a she's a you know culinary chef travels all over the world to these sort of uh, interesting and out of the way places. And one first episode was this uh, Hacienda Mausita in Panama. And and it was up a dirt road and a lot of times like cars get stuck on the road. So they'll just meet you at the bottom of the road and take you up in their big, huge Unimog, like big truck. But everything they serve is things they can either fish for in the, you know, in the the ocean, right, you know, right near where they're at or grow on their land. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they were serving chicken and they went out and actually like picked which chicken they were going to slaughter. And this chef then helped them with all, you know, helped them with all the prep and everything through all, all the different things they were doing. And uh, they, they have a spot like near a waterfall where they have like watercress growing. And it's just this 
everything on their land is things that they use in the dishes and people basically you you reserve a, a time to come and you you sit there and you drink wine and you you eat this food that comes from the land that you are visiting and and it's this very uh primitive but also uh almost futuristic now because of how how our food system works to have everything available locally yeah it's the original way but we've certainly lost it <laughs> you yeah. know and so it was, it was this and commoditize that and yeah that doesn't really exist anymore the biggest thing that i that we we loved about it just seeing this is that that they were they were resourceful both in the things that they grew and that they uh, harvested from their land, but also uh, they don't have an oven. So they did everything with like induction stoves and all like a, like a bread oven and like all these, like a bread maker uh, from nice. like the eighties or nineties, like some, some oh, really yeah. sort of rudimentary uh, tools uh, to cook what basically turned out to be a five-star, like, you know, Michelin star level, uh, dining experience for people, which is far and away amazing based on what they, what they had. Uh, and you, and you see the, the, the sort of rudimentary nature of the tools that they're using and just, you know, being out in the middle of nowhere in Panama. And so it's really I know a lot of, a lot of places try to kind of build on that experience by like putting the names of the farms on the menu or talking about the providers that they buy from or, or kind of giving it, but being on site and having that direct experience, there's, there's just nothing like that. Like even, you know, I haven't done it for full meals, but even just going to a dairy and eating the cheese there at the dairy, you know, with the dairy funk kind of in the yeah. air around you, it's, it's not the same as taking that same cheese, putting it in the fridge uh, at home and then having it the next day. It's not the same experience. And I, I, I really like that. Actually, I'm not the kind of person that wants to like duplicate things too much. I, I do believe in the power of the one-off experience and how, you know, going to Panama and eating at this place would be an absolutely magical, powerful thing. Um, because you have it's that. different every time. Yeah, and it would never be the same, and it couldn't be the same. And fortunately, you know, it's not at the point now where it has to be because it's not something that you're going to sell to millions of people. And I. I think those are precious things and precious experiences that we really want to make sure that we both celebrate and protect. Yeah, it's just it's a really unique thing to be doing in this day and age where, you know, everything is is uh, automated and there's AI running things and to have this spot where you just come in and, and you basically are watching people, you know, prepare this meal in front of you. And, and I know I think that the episode we watched with them, uh, they like traveled to their neighbor's uh, land to chop to cut some some dead wood to smoke their chicken yeah. using and like it's just just all of this like very connected to the land and connected to where food comes from uh really spoke to to me personally because i feel like people there's a disconnect yeah uh, you know you go to costco and you buy a, a six pack of chicken thighs you don't totally know where that actually came from yeah. uh and people just aren't as connected to where food comes from. They're, they're getting better because of, of a lot of emphasis on, you know, organic and figuring out like where, you know, food, you know, supply chain issues and all just, just random stuff happens. Uh, so people are getting better, but it's, it's really interesting where, you know, people, it's not part of our culture to know where food comes from. Yeah. Are you, are you still keeping chickens? I know you were for a time. We have, we have nine chickens. Uh, the bears have, have not gotten now. them okay. yet. Nope. Yep. <laughs> We we have nine chickens <laughs> and a barn cat that all live in our, our chicken coop. So, and are you you still have the garden going? Is that still active yep. or something garden, you plan yeah, to get so, going uh, again this summer? This next uh, next week or two will be hopefully we'll be out of the frost season here in Colorado, so yeah. we can start getting things. We we've, we've got a ton of plants started uh, in under lights here inside, uh, and hopefully in the next week or two we'll be able to bring those outside and awesome. harden them off so that they can actually grow. Uh, in the garden i'm just i'm saying these things and asking these direct questions to make the point that you you are connecting to the land and the animals we're, and the food we're trying to in yeah. a very direct way and and you're sharing that with your son too which i think is super cool yeah yeah he uh he loves you know hanging out outside we like we try yeah. to emphasize being outside and and you know digging in the dirt and getting dirty and 
I, I would say that not too many kids are getting that same experience these days. I, I did for sure. Um, living in Ohio growing up, my stepdad definitely made sure I got my hands dirty, helping grow and and care for a lot of the plants on the property. But I I like seeing that you involve him so much and that he's kind of taken to it so much. It's a good way for the two of you to connect as well. So I think that's great. Yeah, we we definitely enjoy it. And it's really, you know, it's it's purposeful in how we're raising him. Uh, based yeah. on our you know, our experiences with you know just sort of the food culture here and in, in, we're in Colorado Springs uh, where there is a lot of urbanism that where people don't you know connect uh, animals to food or land to food uh, for a number of years my father helped run a, a local farm here and they gave away that, that farm's known for giving away millions and hundreds of thousands of pumpkins to school children every fall. Uh, it no longer uh, runs in that capacity, but for a number of years, uh, I remember as a child going to this farm and picking up pumpkins uh, as part of a school trip, essentially. Um, yeah. But one of the things that they did uh, during the time that his his uh, the nonprofit that he was part of uh, organized and ran this farm for for a number of years, one of the things they did is they brought school kids out for educational things on the farm. And one of the most poignant things that I remember hearing is that they would have kids that would sit there at the, the last step of the school bus and would be hesitant to step off the school bus because they would be hmm. stepping onto dirt. And then oh, they would goodness. they would be get, maybe getting dirty or, uh, wow. you know, there, there was just this this they they <laughs> came from a spot where, you know, you went you it's sort of like the the paradox of of living in Phoenix. Uh, you go from your air conditioned house to your air conditioned car to your air conditioned yeah. job back to your air conditioned yeah. car into the air conditioned grocery store back to your air conditioned car and back to your house. Uh, yep. There's no you're you're always in a uh, in a uh, unnatural environment. So yeah. as soon as you put someone that is not used to those sort of natural things, dirt, plants, chickens, uh, cows, horses, all these things, you put them in that element, and fear is the first feeling yeah it's all because they don't know sure and for a lot of these kids what what actually ended up happening is they were the the sentiment was that they didn't want to get off the bus because they would get dirty and they would get in trouble for getting dirty oh of course and that's and that's just and that's a that's a different topic altogether but right they would then over the course of the day you know they would coax them off the bus they'd be like it's fine we'll get you cleaned up before you go home but they would see chickens they would get to actually walk in and uh, grab the warm egg that the chicken had just laid, and to see that connection, like uh, that the their educators would ask them things like, uh, "Well, what did you have for breakfast? Oh, you had a you know an egg McMuffin uh, and orange juice. Well, do you know where those came from?" And they were like, "Well, Safeway." And it's like, "Well, no, not not from Safeway. They came from here's here's the egg. This is the egg that was on that. Uh, we use this, which is uh, wheat here. The, the, you know, this is growing here. This will turn into wheat when it's ready to be harvested. That's going to make the bread. And so they're able to actually." give that whole spectrum of those ingredients as raw things and help connect kids to where food actually comes from. And so yeah, it was, it was about, a really unique thing. Yeah. And I, I often think about food as a, a form of diplomacy, but I, I guess I think of it as cultural diplomacy and that's almost, you're inviting them into a new world uh, of food and understanding of food that they, you know, I think a lot of people go through their life with that detachment, never really being broken um, it is something, you know, you just order combo six and that's pretty much all you think about. And it's, there's an opportunity there for a greater understanding and through that understanding, um, change, personal change in how you eat, how you interact with food. And so I, I guess I hadn't thought of it in that way that it could be a, a bit of diplomacy, you know, just to even open eyes, uh, to the reality of what food is. And uh, like we had talked about before, what we've turned food into and how it's changed from its original roots of kind of like the homesteading thing, which is, do you ever consider that's what you do as a bit of homesteading or dabbling in homesteading stuff? I mean, you brew beer too. Yeah. We, we, we basically, uh, the reason we have the, the house we have is because of the yeah. outdoor space we had. So we could actually do, um, work you know, towards growing to as house, much food. Right? You haven't. I know you moved away no. before, <laughs> before we got this. So I know uh, I, I got to check it out sometime. Yeah, you'll have to come back out. We got we have a guest room, so you're you're welcome to stay as long oh, or, or little as you thanks, want. Ryan. Um, thanks. But yeah, we I mean we we bought it because it has a half acre, uh, and we're awesome. Uh, we're right in a good school district here in 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 the west side of Colorado Springs, so our yeah. child uh, can walk to 
uh, preschool through high school are all within a two block radius of our house. Wow. Uh, which is sort of unheard of in, in even, no, that's even, incredible. Even in this small of a town. Yeah, that's incredible. So we're, we're excited about that. But the, the biggest thing is that it had a half acre and it was uh, previously very unkept by the, uh, the last owners and and we've heard from neighbors that even the original owners we are the only the third owner of the house uh yeah. so both wow. of the previous owners didn't really take care of the yard and it's a big yard and so what we've done is we've put in nine uh raised beds we put in a huge chicken coop that has nine chickens in it we uh just planted two montmorency cherry trees we got oh. some apple trees and peach trees on the way i'm gonna, I'm All gonna right. get some, uh, grapevines going as well probably uh this summer or next summer uh, so we're trying to, at You're least in, in our direction. own little microcosm, yeah. work towards a homesteading thing where we can we can at least say you know thirty percent of the the vegetables that we eat during the summer come from our own garden uh, to lessen what we're buying from a from a big box store or a grocery yeah. store. Yeah. So, so based yeah, on your survey, I imagine one thing you won't be planting is beets. No, I hate beets. <laughs> it's it's one of those things that's just not. I don't know. There's people that that like them, and I and I can choke them down, but it's just they're just not great. I'm not. I, my I'm, understanding I, is that it, it's almost like cilantro, though, where some people just have more of a sensitivity yeah. to uh, the what is it, geosmin, the stuff that makes it taste like dirt. And so for some yep. people, it's like biting into a mud ball. More that's or less. what it is like, for me. Why, why would yep. you want that? And yep. I totally get that. I I like beets, but yeah, yeah, I, it's it's just something that doesn't it doesn't jive with. And with, I do. Uh, I feel like I pick up on it. Bad. Like to me, I would say it's earthy. It's not like mud or dirt. But man, I can imagine if if you're really sensitive to that flavor. Yeah, I get, many I get people a, are. I get crazy dirt. It's just and it's and it, for me the texture is weird too. Like I get a grittiness even when it's like cooked right, and it might be just that sort of physiological. My brain is thinking dirt, and I just taste every little granule of it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I just it's I don't know. It's it's one thing where I know <laughs> that they're good and and like uh, I know that beet sugar is a big thing. They're pretty. People yeah. use and. Yeah, they're pretty and and I and yeah. I've had you know some golden beets are are better because they're a little bit less. On I think they have side. less. Yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. But the the standard red, you know, dark purplish maroon ones, I cannot do those at all. Have you seen that burger in uh, Australia that almost always has a beet on it? It's called like the burger with a lot. Oh, I I think I've seen it's like a, a classic. Of it, but I... Yeah, it's like a classic burger over there that you can get kind of all over the country and it's uh it's almost no, always got a beet and an egg on it those are like two of the like main topics maybe i could yeah. maybe i could figure it out if it had both I don't, well see and i like beets but i don't even think i want that i'm like what no i mean you yeah, know if you want to just make me a beet burger and don't put the burger patty on there and we're just doing some kind of like vegetarian thing then yeah maybe but otherwise i don't know it just sounds distracting yeah. to me yeah, it's just yeah, it just doesn't doesn't jive with with what I like to eat. So, and and this one I know from hanging out with you, peanuts aren't your thing either, and that's a that's more of a like full on allergic <laughs> reaction type thing. When I say that's it's not your thing, I mean thing, yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are that's, that's a not good. It's it, and that's a weird thing, especially because you know I'm I'm the only one in our household that has a a peanut allergy. So yeah. you have you have to be careful because everyone else can have it. They they they're welcome to it, but they they try to back off and not have. We try to not have peanuts in the house, but you know Halloween comes around and then there's a bunch of Reese's and Reese's pieces and things like that. So yeah, and and you've got me thinking right now. Where do I have I have peanuts in the car like right now? So yeah, I bet my whole car would be unsafe for you. <laughs> It's one of those things where, like, as long as I just don't like lick everything, okay, I should be fine. I right. my my allergy's not there. It's it's a step down from the ones of the the like the kids that like walk into a room and there's a couple particles right. in the air and they and they go into shock. Mine's yeah. like mostly like if I if it gets on my skin, my skin will break out, and then if I eat it, I'll I'll choke and die. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I assume that's why they're not on airplanes anymore is because yep. there are some people with that level of sensitivity that even it, you know, somebody opening a pack next to them is enough to. Yeah. And them. I have a sensitivity where I can I can usually smell it. Like if someone mm. I remember in uh, one of my earliest memories of of my peanut allergy was like mm -hmm. probably first or third grade, first through third grade, some young uh, elementary school sitting at a cafeteria table and, and basically sitting there before anyone had opened their lunches and going, someone's got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich today. and Everyone being like, "How do you? How can you even do that?" I'm like, I can just smell the minute amount that is 
like present pr- from someone that probably touched it then then touched the outside of your your bag or something like that yeah. so yeah it's 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 a when you associate a certain food with death and with choking uh like instantly for no reason not no reason but for for no it's not like you're actually like a blockage choking but you're just like oh my goodness this is this is really dangerous uh you become acutely aware of it in in every form that it's in yeah and i would think asian food in general would be extra dangerous and that's just my, because yeah. yeah it's my achilles heel because i love asian food i bet and then you Asian. never know. I mean, even like a crushed peanut or something like really micro particles of peanuts just kind of thrown in. Oh, yeah, we just put that in the breading to make it extra crispy or whatever. It's like, no, yep, I have to I have to watch out. And so I stick to I stick to cuisines that are primarily less peanut yeah. driven. No so usually it's Japanese, uh, some Chinese, but I have to be careful. And then Korean. Right. Oh, and, yeah. And Indian food as well, because there, there's less peanut stuff in, in India. Oh, I had okay. these like soy sauce boiled peanuts at a Korean restaurant. It was one of the like little bachan yeah. things that they bring you. And it was so I think it was the best thing I had all night. It was my favorite thing. I was like, can I just get a bowl of those? It's so good. And they're pretty, but they're they they in Korean cooking is there's yeah. less of it being like mixed in with everything. Yeah. It's more it like separate. a like that where it's this sort of yeah. appetizer or it's a yeah, it's it's a standalone type thing. And uh, it's so like well Thai with food, the beer I, I, too. Oh, Stay man. away from Thai food mostly. They throw peanuts um, in a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah, in all forms. Yeah, and you never know. Uh, and then, but things like even like things like mole, uh, you know, in, in Hispanic cooking. Oh yeah, I can't do that. Quite a often, lot of times the mole is made with peanut butter or peanuts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes they'll make it with walnuts or almonds, and those those ones I love because I can actually have it, and I I I enjoy that flavor. So yeah, I love mole. I love it too, and I. That's I'd probably end up making it for myself if I suddenly couldn't eat, you know, because I like you said, most of them do have either peanuts or peanut butter or both yep. in them. So, yep. yeah. So can we talk wraps a little bit? Sure. Uh, sure. You had told me uh, about the place you worked in college. Can you remind me the name of that? Yeah. So that so I used to uh, work and then I, I ended up helping manage for a number of years. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A little sandwich. Uh, counter service sandwich shop basically uh in a little sort of walk-in inside mall in durango colorado called rgp's wraps and it it was a it, it was a place where we had professional cyclists from you know from that area and then mm-hmm. you know, all over the world that came to town would come in and and and, and, and eat our food and, and it was just it's a very very popular sort of uh individual restaurant that's not a franchise not a chain or anything like that what uh, is the rgp does that stand for something it's some we we always got that question and the answers Ready? are always changing from the from the it's i think it's the uh the grandfather of the owner's uh initials oh okay uh, so the, the original I'm already trying to put of, some like yeah I'm trying to like yeah the original owners uh, have already. a last name of Peterson uh, so that <laughs> okay I, I believe that's where the the true the RGPs but sure. people kept trying to say like really great pizza yeah that's oh, what, and that, and that's what been, I was trying to go like yeah pressed uh, or something I don't know but I was trying to so come up with something the original spot was actually a restaurant it was a pizza restaurant in like the Boston area okay uh, uh, of Massachusetts and so they. It may have been really great pizza at that point. Uh, oh, and that was our GPs, and I, okay. I just, I, if my my memory escapes me on the exact origins of that. Not but essentially what it just... what, what the uh, <laughs> what the food was is that there yeah. it's like a thin crust pizza dough that then uh-huh. is wrapped around you know numerous different variations of ingredients. Yeah, uh, so it's similar to like a donor or a gyro or. Uh, calzone sometimes even and, and how is that presented to the customer is that in a like a deli wrap or how is that how do you usually i mean that? we we would we would wrap it in in uh reynolds wrap you know foil okay yeah. uh and that's that's usually the easiest way because you know the the sort of like tenets of of what makes these wraps amazing is great like crispy but chewy crust fresh, fresh ingredients too. and then yeah. sauce and okay by doing foil you keep the sauce in nice. If you did something like a, a deli wrap or something like that, there's a chance it's going to leak out. Yeah. And I, I like foil too, for that kind of a thing, because you can kind of move it down as you bite, like take a couple bites, move it down, take a couple bites and you get that kind of 
structural support as you move down the sandwich right. or as, as you yep. move down the raft. Yeah. So that's, that, that's my, you know, I worked there for probably five years of my college career. Yeah. Uh, five or six years. Uh, and so I'm using that as inspiration for, uh, for the food truck that I'm starting here in the next, I hope, uh, three or four months. Exciting. Yeah. Uh, catch some, catch some summer business if you can. Yeah. The, the hope is to, to launch in summertime, but to, yeah. this is, it's really a hobby hobby, uh, that will hopefully pay for itself. Uh, yeah. most hobbies, you know, you're, you're, they're money pits. You just sort of dump money in or you're lighting dollar bills on fire, uh, because you love it. Cause it's something that, that you have a passion for. So if I can do something that I, you know, I love cooking, I love making food. I love sort of that story behind food. And if I can do something that allows me to create that for people and then also have it maybe pay for itself, a win-win in my book. Yeah. I, I really think it will too. I, I'm excited for you, man. I think it's going to be both uh, satisfying and, like you said, pay for itself, and maybe maybe a little bonus on top of that. Let's hope. Yeah, for that. And, and if there's a bonus, it's great. But but yeah. for me, what I'll get out of it is that chance to sort of make food for for other people, uh, yeah. which is something I I truly enjoy. Is that just that way to sort of connect to people with people through food? Well, I'll be one of your first customers for sure. I'm gonna I'm planning a special trip for that. Especially if it's uh, that time of year, because I should be able to get back out that way again around that time of year. So you have to keep me up to date on the happenings there. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited for you, and uh, I think the people of Colorado Springs are going to be really thrilled to have what you're you're going to bring as such a different product. I don't think anyone's doing anything quite like that. Um, yeah, there's I mean, I've there's, seen there there are similar types of you know sandwiches with with interesting things on them and that's yeah. where i that's where i'm trying to draw from you know my our, our family's history a little bit on on food uh if if you know if if anyone out there doesn't know me uh my sister was adopted from korea when she was three months old so uh she's lived with with us her, almost her whole life but one of the mm -hmm. things that we did as a family when when i was younger uh for a number of years is there was a a group of, of families that all had adopted ch children from Korea, Japan, China. Uh, there was a, there was a, a series of heritage camps that happened uh, up at Snow Mountain Ranch in Granby. Uh, so there was like always like a Japanese heritage camp or a Chinese heritage camp. And we, we, oh, wow. we would go to Korean heritage camp. And okay. as a, you know, as a, a little white kid uh, that grew up in a, you know, a very predominantly white city, Colorado Springs is, you know, we're, we're very, it's very white. Uh, going to a, a special camp where you are one of five little white kids because everyone else is Korean. Everyone else is uh, adopted or uh, is part of the adoption agency or, or that program to help sort of bring awareness to Korean heritage. So we yeah. learned about Korean food. We, they would do bulgogi cookouts. Uh, I had kimchi there for the first time. Uh, and through that camp, we actually connected with people and were able to take a trip uh, I was 12 at the time. My sister was nine. Uh, we were taking a trip out to Korea to uh, to visit Seoul, uh, sort of see where where my sister came from, you know, uh -huh. where, where she where her family was from, and, and you know, we were fortunate on that trip actually uh, while we were out there to connect with her, uh, some of her aunts and her dad. Uh, wow, cool. From that wasn't it wasn't part of why we went there, but it, it happened uh, because we were there. Uh, but but that was a really interesting uh, experience as a 12 year old to go to Seoul, Korea. Uh, yeah, I, I would say good on your parents for kind of recognizing both the opportunity for you and then the need to kind of bridge that gap for her. Just that's good parenting. It sounds like so, to me. So before and after that, we we always would do a lot of Korean style cooking in our household. So we always yeah. have kimchi in the fridge. We always made Korean barbecue and, and it's bulgogi. funny because I knew you liked bulgogi. I forget where we were. I, we were somewhere <laughs> and you ordered bulgogi and you just plowed through it. You're oh, like, yeah. I love bulgogi. <laughs> it's and it's and it's so, one of those things. It's it's that like knew childhood that thing you. of going to yeah. this this basically summer camp for for a week uh you know in the mountains near Winter Park, Colorado. And yeah. We we just treated it as summer camp, so we got to go. You would go to these Korean language uh, classes. You would go to these heritage things where they teach you about old dances uh, in Korea, and then they would have ones on food and all these different like cultural things, just to to make sure that it doesn't disappear. And yeah. the th one of the things that my fondest memories of all that are the food parts 
uh, the the you know first taste of that fermented kimchi that that bulgogi grill out where they Love have it. this huge uh, they had I mean it probably isn't this big but in my twelve year old or ten year old brain it was like a forty foot long grill uh, probably yeah. wasn't that long but right. my brain the biggest you've ever seen at that huge point. huge grill with just covered in like ribeye um yeah. marinated ribeye and they're just oh, grilling wow. it up for everybody on uh skewers uh all over the place and so then you know you would just we would just all hang out and that was like the end of the festival uh like barbecue essentially but then the but being able to sort of carry that on uh to you know growing up and, and eating foods and uh one of the things that Walt just to jump back to when, when we were in korea yeah. uh you know, we went to a little back alley uh, restaurant because we didn't want to you know there was things like burger kings and you know sure. just the the americanized stuff so we wanted to do we wanted to get authentic stuff so we went to like some back alley spot and i was you know i was 12 and i got a little bit of taste of soju which is sweet potato uh mm-hmm. liqueur or, or whiskey almost and <laughs> stuff blew my mind i was like whoa that's crazy but it's just so different the flavors that are uh available in a different country that now, you know, now we actually have more uh, Asian style. Uh, yeah. Grocery stores I, I, I was going to say that, like you must've felt like it was such a, a there thing. And then all of a sudden you start seeing that kind of stuff, you know, restaurants opening here and, and bulgogi showing up on menus everywhere. And yeah, you, like, go to oh, a, wow. you go to like, a Sprouts market or a Costco and there's kimchi sitting there. Like it's, it's no longer this, like you have to seek it out or make it yourself. There's a lot of companies that are creating that, that, korean slash asian uh style food for the masses now. yeah and it's and and it's become more popular as a flavor so i love so it. something else that you mentioned kind of uh now that we're talking grocery stores and asian food something else you mentioned and, and i do this too is stopping by for uh, a snack and grabbing some sushi from the grocery store um where where do you like getting the sushi from and uh like what's your what's your order what do you what rolls do you grab like grocery store sushi. Uh, yeah. Right now it's been Sprouts Market. Uh, theirs okay, has been pretty nice. fresh. I don't know if I've had um, it at Sprouts. Yeah, they, they're they just building one that's going to be really close to us and we're super excited. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, we, we were, we loved Trader Joe's for a long time because that's sort of like that weird, like, save more cult type thing. Yeah. Uh, we go to Costco for the bulk items like toilet paper and whiskey, actually, a lot Same. of times. No, uh, me too. <laughs> but uh, we we would bounce between King Supers and Safeway and Trader Joe's for sort of the just daily staples. And then we yeah. discovered Sprouts Market. We realized that for the quality of the items, what, what Sprouts does is they try to get most of their a lot of their fresh produce comes from a certain di- a certain radius of of miles around their stores. Yeah. So they get a there's a lot of stuff where we pick up red onions and it says, you know, grown in Hotchkiss, Colorado. Uh so we know that we're supporting a local farmer. Yeah, it was funny when I was uh going to farmers markets in Colorado, I would find less local products than when I would just go to Sprouts. Heather and I both noticed that. Like we go to yeah. Sprouts and be like, this is all from Colorado. Look at all this. This yeah. is all Colorado. And, it, and then we go and, and buy, you know, out of state produce from at a, at a farmer's market that was supposed to be a farmer's market. Yeah. And then, so we, we started going there really sort of, it was, it's the, right now the sprouts is are really far away and we know that we were new, they were building yeah. one close to us. So we figured let's just go and see how it is and see if it's something that will, you know, become part of our repertoire. Well, now that's the only place we go. Yeah. Uh, we, we, the quality of the food's great. They have a, you know, they have a, it's a boar's head deli. So it's the boar's head type deli meats, but yep. that's, it's just great that you can actually get it sliced. And you I don't think have to buy boar's head makes some stuff. excellent products. Honestly, it's, it's, I know it's, it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere, but, but it's consistent products. and you know, it's, you yeah. know, it's good. Yep. Uh, but the, the produce has been qual- super quality from there. Uh, we've been getting this uh, like non-homogenized milk. Uh, I don't drink milk. I've I've got a dairy allergy as well, along with my my peanut allergy. But yeah. uh, my wife and and son drink a lot of milk, and so we get this non-homogenized, uh, full fat milk, and it's cool. it's so it's crazy because when you get it, there is a plug of heavy cream. like cream yeah. fat yeah. at the milk yeah. right at the top, and you have to yeah. really shake it to get it homogenized and get it mixed in. But it makes the best lattes in the morning because you have this just fresh like oh, very the low temp pasteurization on it so it's a, it's very close to raw milk than yeah. that you can get at the store 
Uh, so anytime we see it on sale, we grab like two of them because we know we'll go through it in a week and a half. So it's just yeah, we, I love we, it, finding I, products I, like that that are so again. Weird. You're going back to the farm again. Now yeah. you, you don't want to buy the cow though, do you? <laughs> no, no, no. We can't. We tried. We, yeah, exactly. We, uh, it's, it's not allowed right now. What is it? Would you, you be able to goat. get a goat? Yeah, we you can do, do a goat. Goats. We can do two oh, goats. Wow. Or like a, up to like 150 wow. pounds of goats. I think that's what it that's is. That's great. So that's awesome. Uh, there was a there was a, a measure that was trying to get pushed through our city council a couple of years ago to yeah. allow cows, and I think it got just nixed. They they were like, we'll, we'll do goats, but like no cows. I don't know. That kind of makes sense. I get it. it. it I mean, a cow is a big animal. Yeah, uh, to have it to get out a lot neighborhood residential area. Like if you were in a county area where you're not like sure in the residential or the the city limits, I could see it working. But yeah, I I think our 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 neighbors love walking by and seeing our chickens and our you know that's enough if we had like a cow sitting out there they'd be like all right what's going on here i was uh walking around vancouver washington and there was a a chicken coop that had um kind of like a gumball dispenser with feed in it and you uh it didn't charge anything you could just turn right just turn it turn the thing get some feed and feed it to the chickens which i thought was pretty cool that's a great idea yeah and it just kind of caused that interaction a little bit, which yeah. it was neat for kids, especially. Well, and then your then your chickens are trained to the sound of that. Yeah, for sure. So they oh, know yeah. they know. Oh, I heard the clinking. Like I'm Time coming to come out. I know I got yeah, a treat. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I know you as kind of my hot sauce friend. Uh, I, I think we have a few friends that are into hot sauces, but you more than anyone, maybe that I've ever met. I don't know. <laughs> I just. But, both that you like love the them, and then I assume you must have uh, quite the collection as well at this point. You know, I, I uh, or do you eat them all? I, I eat them. I eat. I eat a lot of them. Um, yeah, I know you do. But I actually, I, I got graced by a, a a box of hot sauces from a friend of mine, uh, a friend of ours, uh, Sam Sly from the Beer and Loathing Crew. Oh yeah, uh, he he had something happen where he just like something his stomach does not handle hot sauce anymore and so he had okay. had all of these like ones he had he had like a hot ones subscription for a while so he had like 20 bottles of like super hot hot sauce wow uh that he's like i i'm either gonna just throw these away or find someone to give it to him but no one no one that i know would eat this stuff and i'm like i'll take it and so yeah i'm i'm about a third of the way through all the bottles <laughs> that's great but it's, no, it's a lot of things like you know the last sauces found you ones yeah yeah so so before that my collection was you know i had a couple of things that i really enjoy um you turned me on to the the funkies guy out of bellingham yeah uh, and his stuff i just you know i try to order it about once a quarter i get a, another batch of them uh and it's that's that's been what i my staple that's well, been what i've been eating and then you share the good ones with other people and then they start ordering from those people too because he's been getting orders from josh now and yep. from a few other friends out there i think aaron got some too so yeah i, feel like yeah, the, I, I turned josh on the, the word the the liquid sunshine delirium which is the the one with absinthe and honey and orange peel and i've never had anything like that that was oh such goodness. a like it is i, I went to trip. sample it because i saw the release for it and i was like okay well he does these samplings at uh the the owner's name is matthew minnie's really nice guy uh he does these samplings at, at you know farmers markets and stuff and so i was like well i'll go try you know if i if i like it maybe i'll get a bottle and i like instantly was like i have to have this i've never had anything like this i was like i don't even know what i'm gonna put this on but i want it anyway <laughs> But yeah, it's just it's, it's uh, all has it's an interesting sauce. Yeah. And they're all I mean, a lot of these, you know, I look looking through all these different hot sauces of, of these brands that I probably wouldn't buy uh, yeah. if Sam hadn't given them, them given them to me. And a lot of them are ones where I'm just like, I don't know about this. Like this just looks like it's just like pepper mash, vinegar, onions, and like some like uh thickener so some like uh gum some sort of yeah. xanthan gum or something like that but then there's other ones that are just like really chef culinary driven which is what i, th- I think about when i think about funkies is that yeah. he includes things like plum vinegar or uh, uh absinthe and things like things that aren't normally considered to be like a hot sauce ingredient yeah and it just it elevates all of the other flavors it does by adding and sets things. it apart Sets it apart like in its own category. I, I think of his sauces differently than other people's for sure for that reason. So yeah, so I mean, a lot of the ones I got are like these ones that are basically just like uh, 
there's one that, that I have I haven't opened yet, but it's called Brutality, 13 out of 10. So it's like it's like it's just supposed to be super duper hot. Um that one that one doesn't have that one's sort of like a, a more uh non-traditional flavor profile and things, but some of them are just like Reaper peppers, vinegar, and salt. And it's like, okay, oh, this is I sent you that picture uh, a few days ago that was the clear, and all yeah. it was was capsaicin and vinegar. Yep. And that sounds and gross. It, it yeah. And it, I just didn't get that. Oh, and the other one had glitter in it. So they have a glitter and a non-glitter version. I, I would get the glitter <laughs> one over the non-glitter one because it's like, yeah, at least the there's something else in there. It's probably edible yeah. glitter. And so you let the bottle sit for, you know, six months or so. And it's probably going to just like uh, thicken it up anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking it'd be <laughs> fun to do uh, the glitter one too, just for presentation purposes, get a black plate and, you know, put a few dots of that on it when, you, oh, when yeah. you're serving something just to kind of be like, what, why is there glitter on my plate? Oh, it's hot sauce. <laughs> Yeah, it would be it would be more interesting if they were figuring they could figure out a way to do some bioluminescence with it so that it actually glue glowed uh as you know as it's been presented or something, but that's harder to do. <laughs> that's more yeah. chemistry. <laughs> chemistry yeah, that, that store that store that I was in, I've never been in a store that had more hot sauce than that. I know there are like stores that are all hot sauce stores or whatever, but this store is not an all hot sauce store and it has more hot sauce than any of those stores I've ever been in. It's crazy. The selection is just out of control. And, and like you were saying, some of it's just kind of, I don't know, gimmicky, straightforward, same thing over and over again. But I like the direction that hot sauces are moving, especially with the fermented ones. And and you were saying the the kind of chef driven, uh, yeah, more the- thoughtful ones that are coming out. I think that's a, it's a fun space and it makes me get excited about new hot sauce. The other one that I that I really have been enjoying uh brand wise is Senor uh, Lechuga from it's from Brooklyn. And okay. they make uh they, they've got a they've got a, a collaboration with Sounds Hot Ones. Familiar. They've got a collaboration with Joe. Okay, Logan. that's probably where I saw them. Okay. Uh but their stuff is is very very interesting. It's very different. Uh, one of the ones that I that I need to order from them uh that I keep seeing on their website is got like coffee uh habaneros geisha it's geisha coffee and passion fruit Ooh, in a in a, so it's hot hot sweet tropical fruit and then this like geisha coffee which has those like tropical but also roasty natures to it so it's it just sounds like like this full spectrum of flavors uh the one that i just i basically dump on everything right now has uh black lime reapers Wow, like ghost peppers or something like that, or like awesome. uh, ghost peppers, black limes, and uh, adobo. That's what it is. That so it sounds fantastic. <laughs> it's it's like this amazing. It's like if you think of like the chipotle cholula that everyone loves. Yeah, uh, it's like Cranked that up. times fifty. Yeah, so it has more, but but both in flavor and heat. So it's hotter, but it's also got this like you know really black lime is just this incredible thing that's got that savory but also citrusy and. Uh, sort of funky nature to it, and it's just amazing. So the the Geisha coffee one does is that like a twenty five dollar bottle of hot sauce? I don't think so. Okay, because that coffee like... is so expensive. I thought maybe that was going to be like a a premium level hot sauce price. I, I don't. I mean, I, I I have not. I need okay. to buy it, but I have not like been like, oh, I'm just going to order it. But um. Yeah, I saw that one. They've got a bunch of ones that are that are coffee flavored ones, which are just it's just unique and different. So we got to do a little bit of talking about beverages. Uh, I know you and I certainly have had many, many conversations and it's it's fun category to talk about uh, kind of in depth because you can find out just where people lie on philosophically on things. And then if that's sort of a through point for how they feel about other stuff, like do you like sweeter stuff? Do you like drier stuff? And does that carry through to kind of what you drink? Um, and I, I know we've certainly got into that. Um, I think we, our palates seem to align on a lot of stuff. Um, and, and it's been nice because you can tell me like both in hot sauce and beer or, or whiskey or whatever, you can tell me like, I really liked this one. I think you should check it out. And with confidence, I can pretty much say that I'm going to like it if you liked it. So I, I feel like that's kind of a nice thing. Uh, you know, it's kind of that extra, I consider you a friend, a food friend, but then also like kind of, uh, I don't know, like someone who's aligned with me on on many things uh especially beer i feel like beer is something we've definitely connected on um what what beers are you drinking these days the most often what's uh what do you still get excited about uh let's see 
I don't drink a whole lot of beer right now. <laughs> yeah. No, no. That's the, the, the dude, last tell us, tell us what you're drinking. No, so that the we've we've been doing a lot of bourbon uh, lately. Yeah, uh, but also uh, we've also just been cutting back and not doing a lot, lot of uh, liquor. Yeah, uh, because my and my uh, my parents for my birthday in the this year. Yeah, yeah, we we do some of those. But my parents for my birthday got me a soda stream, and I thought it was sort of odd. You know, I've got a I've got a 1970s Pepsi machine in my basement that works that that can distribute cans of Lacroix if I want it. Beautiful. It's I awesome. Love that thing. Uh, it's yeah. not even plugged in right now because okay. I have because it takes a whole lot of power. Sure. Uh, Energy is expensive as can be today these yeah. days. Uh, and then you know my parents got me this soda stream, and I sort of was like, oh, this this is cool. You know, I've always thought about getting one, and I've never it's never been like at the forefront to like, oh, I should actually get one. I love it. It's the most amazing thing to be able to just make on demand sparkling water and and make it as yeah. uh, you know have as much carbonic acid in it as you can as you as you want so you can make it you know very lightly fizzy or you can make it really fizzy love that man you're and making me want one because i drink spindrift all the time and really it's because it's just water and fruit juice and you could easily you, do that so the the great thing about soda stream is that like you basically are you know you're just filling a thing with water i fill up water the night before put them in the fridge so they're cold yeah, uh, sure. because i know from being around breweries that cold water or cold beer carbonates easier. So yep. I put it in the fridge first. So, you know, the, the tap water here in Colorado Springs is, you know, comes out at 50, 50 degrees, like that. but I don't want it to be 37 or 40 when I actually are, am carbonating it. So I put it, I, I fill up all my bottles in the fridge overnight, put them in the, in the fridge. And then the next morning I will carbonate them throughout the day as I need them. Uh, so, so they're not, they're not just sitting there carbonated, like just, waiting for it to come out of a suspension. Oh, I get what I you're saying. Carbon, I carbonate one you as carb, I need them. Like carb to order, pretty much. Right, essentially. Okay. So I, I then, you know, then you can get uh, both food food grade essential oils to add yeah. to those. So I I have I have some orange essential oil. And so I will, I'll carb it up and I'll add four or five drops of essential oil to it. And then it basically makes it an orange LaCroix at that point. Sure, sure. And it is, it is the one of the best things that I've ever found. And the great thing about it is that the the one I have, uh, the cylinders, it doesn't use like the little little tiny cylinders. It uses a big proprietary c- cylinder that they have, but you can exchange them at Target. Okay. So you give them a, f- a f- empty one, and they give you fifteen. They give you fifty percent off of uh, their new one. Okay. So for fifteen bucks, I get another sixty liters of of uh, sparkling water that I can make. So what's what's my initial buy-in on this? Like hundred bucks. The, the unit. The unit and the tank is going to be what, like sixty bucks, seventy bucks, yeah, like probably probably ninety nine. I think that's what it is. Okay, to 90. So it's it's there okay. is a and that's and I think that's why it never was like my like I always was like oh yeah I'm I'm going to totally go get that. But now that I have it, I'm like oh my goodness, like I and, but but it also opens up other avenues use of it. of yeah. things because you could force that's what I was thinking that you need to. So if you're a home brewer and you're like you know I don't I want I want to see how this tastes, you can pull off a sample of it carb it up pour a couple of glasses for people and taste it and then put it in your keg and or bottle it or, or do all do your normal process but have a like you know moment in time this is what it's going to taste like so that it's it's, it's really a, unique a pretty uh, rudimentary setup with like a mini carb stone and i would just use a two liter bottle and and shake it and that, and that know, works it, yep and that, and that works right fine. it worked all right i think that you're that system because it does that kind of like power injection thing i think you yep. get a faster carb yeah I, I mean had. i i i do like six one second pulses on it and it 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 gives me this super bubbly you know sparkling water and how long it, does a tank last you uh let's see it took me it's about six weeks is what the last time okay uh tank lasted me so okay you know that means i'm drinking uh, about 10 liters of sparkling water a week so yeah which then if you look at that and they think about buying LaCroix or Spindrift, it's like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, gosh. This yes. this pays for itself really quickly. Well, and that's kind of my argument about Spindrift is that I, I love it and all, but like they have the same variety pack that they've been selling forever. And they, it's just the same flavors over and over again. And I'm like, I want other flavors. And then I buy the other, you know, little small packs of it. And it's kind of expensive. And so I think this is the solution is I need to just start carbonating, making my own in a beverages. I like it. 
yeah it's it's just it's a it's a game changer i think uh yeah it's 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 awesome I definitely got to do that. I, When you said carbonic acid, uh, it made me think about this thing I saw recently where you can make ice cream with uh, dry ice. Have you seen that? Um, no, I haven't. So you, you crush the dry ice into snow in a food okay. processor, and then you add it to your ice cream base. So, you know, cream, sugar, whatever ice cream base you want to use. Um, and then you just stir the two together and of course it freezes, but it captures some of the CO2 in suspension in the oh. ice cream. So eating it, it has a bit of a like slightly effervescent, like you really don't pick up on it unless you're really keyed in on it. But then also it has like a bit of a carbonic acid sting to it, which really complements like the heavy cream and everything. So it kind of like, yeah, it creates a completely different product and you do it in batches. So it's kind of just like you were saying, carbonate for order, you make it a little bit at a time like that. So you're making it kind of fresh. You just keep your your base ready. And then when you're ready to do it, you just stir the snow in, in a large bowl and oh. it, it bubbles, it boils just like, you know, you would expect a, you know, mad scientist lab and it makes a big cloudy mess. But um, yeah, you end up with uh, instant ice cream that you can flavor in a million ways, just like you're saying too. And you're making me think that's what made me think about this. The whole time oh, you were talking about cool. this, I'm like, this is like the ice cream concept that I was kind of watching a, a video about and then kind of read more uh, online about. But yeah, um, I want to make it now. I was telling Heather, I was like, I want to make dry ice ice cream. <laughs> that sounds, <laughs> it sounds I want to do. We've been making ice cream. with hot sauce we in have it. A, we have a, one of the ice cream makers for a little like uh, KitchenAid mixer. Yeah. And uh, it's great, but you have to free you have to freeze that thing in the in the freezer overnight, and then it takes a couple. It, it takes a day or so for the to actually like the process to finish. But to have it be like, oh yeah, let's just make it like, and it's done in like three or four minutes, and not even three or four minutes, uh, fifteen seconds. Oh my goodness, yeah, that's nuts. Fifteen seconds, and what it gets it to is kind of a like a soft serve consistency. So it's it's, so if it's you like want... one of those restaurants are doing for those like quick yes. ice creams. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's kind of awesome like to watch too. So I think kids would be really into it. Of course, you're dealing with dry ice. So you got to be careful not to touch it for very long or whatever, but it's not dangerous. Right. But yeah, uh, it makes me want to make that ice cream. And when you're talking about the, you know, you could flavor each individual one in a separate way. That's the idea with the ice cream too, is that, you know, it's to order. So you have that base, that kind of blank base. And then they're like, I want chocolate in this one, or I want you know, whatever strawberry or whatever flavor you want to do. And then you can, you know, as soon as you get it gelled up to the consistency you want, add your mix-ins and stir that to order. And then suddenly you've got custom one-off ice creams. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just throw the the blast chiller for. If you want it scoopable. Yep. Right. Yep. If you want to go scoopable, then yeah, definitely. Or just serve, you know, soft serve style, but yeah, either way. But that makes it so, so you're not trying to keep a bunch of ice cream. Yeah. You just keep the dry ice. Oh, that's yeah. So if you ever want to add a a sweet uh, component to your business, um, it'd be pretty inexpensive too, because it can be done with like a whisk, a bowl, and a food processor. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I don't. I don't think I will at this point. But (laughs) okay, I know. I know. I'm not trying to like add anything to your plate. But if you get to that point, ice cream truck. (laughs) Well, I know, but you know, like it could be a special, like once a week or once a month, we do our special uh, ice cream day. I don't know. Now, one of the things that I I am going to try to do is like one off uh, and maybe even secret menu type things is because I'll have a I'll have a 30 or 36 inch flat top. Yeah. uh, Griddle is I want to do smash burgers every once in a while, like as a total secret menu item. Definitely. And have have it be just this super special thing where someone comes up and they're like, oh, wait, you have a you have burgers. I'll, I'll get a burger. Yeah. And I think you could use some of your ingredients that you're using. Like, have you seen those ones that people are doing where they they pretty much take a raw ground beef and smush it into a tortilla and then cook that together on the grill? Whoa. Yeah. I did not see that. That's crazy. So you like press the two together because I know you've got a sheeter. So you would like go ahead and sheet it out and then press a thin patty on top of that and then cook the two together on the flat top. Whoa. Yeah. That sounds interesting. I'll have to find yeah. out. I'll have to find a video and then it, you know, as the fat renders, it goes into your into your dough. So you get this kind of like greasy thing that yeah. Yum. Yum. Yeah, I just sent I just sent a video of somebody doing something similar to that to, to Heather because I was like, I want to make this. And she's like, 
how would you know if it was cooked all the way through? And I'm like, yeah, it would cook all the way through. You just do it really thin and you cook it from both sides. And I think it'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're, you're heating it on both sides, it should be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ryan, I really appreciate you joining me today, man. This has been super fun. I, I feel like it's uh food and drink conversation. Number 1000 for us, but I always enjoy talking to you, man. Definitely, sir. Uh, I, food is, is just something that's part of life. So that's easy and easy and fun to talk about. It is. And uh, like I said, like, I feel like we have an, a, an extra level of connection that makes it even more fun. I was really looking forward to this. I, I saw you on the schedule and was like, yes, <laughs> this will be a good one. So again, thank you so much. And uh, if, uh, if I can check back in with you in a few months and we can have you on again and kind of see how things are progressing for you, I would love to do that. Sounds good. Yeah. Find out what uh, the, the number of chickens is up to. We'll, we'll we'll register that you're at nine as of today. It will not go any higher than that. I don't, <laughs> okay, think, we, okay. I don't think I can handle that. <laughs> okay. Right on. All right, man. Well, thank you and have a great day.